everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, we want to thank our sponsor, Free Life Soap. You can check them out by going to the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use your promo code RFP and get 20% off of your order. We also want to thank J Radio. Check them out online at jradio.com. Gentlemen, this is unique that we are finally for the second episode in three different places, Statesboro, Georgia, Trenton, Georgia, and Danville, Virginia. But man, the RFP is here and we are continuing on. The month of November is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. But JC, I've got to tell you, man, uh, I'm not sure you're going to want to be friends with me anymore because, I mean, you haven't been out of town for a week or two mm-hmm. and I have strayed from the path. I, I have strayed. I just need to admit this to all of our listeners And I think I've corrupted a few of my church members because Justin Spurgeon and Diana Spurgeon accompanied me last night to a Southern gospel concert. Oh my gosh, what in the world are you doing? What is happening to you? My nephew Clayton Cravat is singing with Messiah's Call and they were at Pine Ridge Baptist Church, my dad's church, the IFB church, my dad pastors. And I was invited to this and I went and guys, I sang along every word of every song. They did some old Redback Church hymns mm-hmm. and i was singing the the parts the repeats the lines man it was awesome we absolutely had a blast so i kind of feel like i owe everybody an apology for the things i've said about southern gospel music because i absolutely <laughs> enjoyed it they did a great job hey if your church is looking for a southern gospel group messiah's call they did a great job these guys we hung out afterwards in the fellowship hall and hey, had an eating meeting and sat around a table and talked, and they were as down to earth as anyone. Awesome time with those guys. And hey, man, I'm I'm gonna have to buy order a few uh, Southern Gospel CDs. I think to keep. It I'll be time. honest with you, Nathan. On the drive here, we have Sirius Radio in my car, and I happened to click on the Enlightened Channel, and Gold City was on, and I found myself singing "Champion of Love" at the top of my voice, and I was like, "Oh." I don't want anybody to hear me. <laughs> hey, I was with a millennial here at Hope the other night, uh, walking out of the building, and I played uh, some old Gold City Quartet when Jay Parrick used to hit that oh, high yeah. note on Get Up, Get Ready. You remember that song? We're getting ready to go. Yes, sir. And uh, so that millennial actually said to me, that's really fun to listen to. I thought, yeah. what in the world is happening right now? Hey, we're recovering fundamentalists. We can still listen to it every once in a while. Yeah, we're so. recovering. Hey, making Southern gospel fresh and new again. Come on. The RFP <laughs> on the NQC, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> and JC, if you think that me going to a Southern gospel concert is a little out of my box, wait until you hear what Brian did this week. So this week I was riding down the road and, you know, everybody says I never answer calls. You don't. But I was riding down the road, and a Michigan number uh, that I didn't have in my contacts came up on on my cell phone, and I figured, hey, this is just this is just a telemarketer. This is one of those calls, and so the guy who was with me, I was actually going to answer the call just to have fun with the telemarketer. So I answered the phone. And this is what I heard. JC, are you holding on to the side of your seat? Make sure and grip both sides of your seat. Okay. This is what I heard. (laughs) Brother Edwards, this is Dr. John Hamblin. No way. What? Yes, sir. No way. (laughs) A personal call from Dr. John Hamblin 
We ended Why? up talking for about 45 minutes. He called to congratulate me on the one-year anniversary of surviving my heart attack and having the heart procedure. What? He was an incredibly wow. gracious man. It was a great conversation. I actually said to him, hey, man, when we pick at you on the Recovering Fundamentalist, just know it's not personal. And he said to me, and when I preach about you guys, just know it's not personal. I said, I've never been offended. I wouldn't expect you to do uh, anything differently. And if you don't preach what you really believe, then I wouldn't respect you. So we had this great conversation. He was really gracious. And he made a powerful statement toward the end of our conversation that I really appreciated. He let me know how nauseated he is by the scandal and the abuse that has taken place in the independent fundamental movement and how that he could not be more against it, wouldn't take meetings or wouldn't associate with or would never in any way vindicate anyone who's a part of this abuse culture. And so John Hamblin awesome. uh, came out against the abuse in the IFB and our conversation was gracious and I left respecting him for his stand. I don't know what to think. We got Nathan having sushi with Andrew Sluter and on a Christmas card with Mike Poindexter. We got Brian being friends with John Hamblin. I guess I'm going to go play golf with Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, fellas, November is going to be an absolutely incredible month here on the RFP. And uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. God has been good to this podcast. And if you would have told us back in January, we'd be sitting today where we are and just the the folks we've been able to talk to and the doors that have been open, uh, it would have blown all of our minds. We have said no way, but it's happened and uh, we're excited about that. It's turned into a ministry and uh, we want to thank our patrons of Patreon. There, there's some incredible folks yes, there that really absolutely. believe in this ministry that is a ministry. And uh, it is uh, helping us stay going every week. And uh, we have had an episode every single week and haven't missed one. Knock on wood. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, this week we're continuing on with uh, November. And uh, we have the pastor of Fellowship Church in Grapevine, Texas. Pastor Ed Young is on the episode with us. Over 24,000 people a weekend at Fellowship Church. 24,000 a weekend. And we're about to introduce him to a whole new world. So <laughs> I think we should jump right into the episode. Y'all ready? Yes, sir. Ready. Let's go. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your hosts, JC, Nathan, and Brian. Hey, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by podlife.house. From affordable to adorable, you have to check these guys out. They build custom container homes that can be made manly enough that Tony Hudson would approve, roomy enough for an old-fashioned dinner on the grounds, and strong enough to withstand a sin-hating, devil-chasing, hellfire and brimstone Georgia camp meeting, complete with full-size appliances that can easily hold your 44-ounce cup of I-don't-give-a-rip. Check them out online at podlife.com life.house. Fellas, how are you doing today in Danville, Virginia and Trenton, Georgia? Man, I'm doing fantastic. All is well. I'm still pumpkin spicing, by the way, so I'm just one with fall. The leaves are falling and um, I've got pumpkin spice creamer in the refrigerator. I've got- You got to get over this pumpkin spice. (laughs) Pumpkin spice soap on my body. Fall is intense, fellas, intense. Guys, fall has officially started in North Georgia. It got down to 30 degrees last night. So we're going to have a whole lot of leaves falling off the trees. But I can honestly tell you, I am pumpkin spice free. We've carved a few pumpkins, but there's nothing pumpkin spice about Nathan today. Listen, we've already done away with the pumpkin spice. It's Christmas in our home. Having six kids, 10 years old and under, we treat Halloween, not that we're these special Christians, but we treat Halloween like uh, Christmas. So on Halloween, we set up our Christmas tree. We pull out the eggnog. We do the sugar cookies. Man, we watch Elf. It is Christmas all over. So my house is like a daggone winter wonderland right now. And uh, it's fun. I love it. So... Hey, I am real excited about the month of November. We've got some huge announcements that are coming. Uh, We have been talking for some time about doing an RFP meetup, and I know our RFP fam all over the country has been uh, wondering what that's going to look like. And uh, we're excited that coming in January of 2021, we are going to have our first RFP meetup. And I can't tell you where or any of the details right now, but man, it is going to be on a whole nother level. And I'm excited (laughs) about it. And uh, you want to be sure to tune in next week for our episode, and we're going to be letting you know all all about where this RFP meetup is today. But we thought to get started in the month of November, coming off of a non-account October, uh, where we just had an incredible time, that we would just go right to the top in November and bring on a man that all three of us, Brian, Nathan, and myself, uh, have listened to over the years. We've enjoyed his content. And uh, man, we just wanted to bring him on and talk today about his life as a pastor, as his life in ministry, what that looks like outside of there. And uh, we, we bring on folks from all walks of life, from all sizes of churches and ministry backgrounds. In fact, next week we've got a missionary coming on from Spain, Mike Peters. And uh, today we are extremely excited to have here on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast all the way from Grapevine, Texas. Is that right? Grapevine, Texas? That's right. Grapevine. Beautiful grapevine. Gorgeous grapevine. Gorgeous grapevine from Fellowship Uh Church. It is Brother Ed Young. Pastor, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm so excited about uh, today talking with you guys. Uh, you guys need no, I mean, you guys need no introduction. All, already you're legendary because I've uh, listened to some of your stuff and it's absolutely hilarious, but also it's packed with some deep meaning too. So mm. I, I love it. I love it. Hey, well, Ed, I've got to ask you, what did you think once <laughs> you heard our introduction and the preaching clips? from our introduction because you didn't grow up like us you grew up differently than us so what did you think about it absolutely brilliant 
and absolutely hilarious. I loved it. Brilliant. Were you aware that those kind of preachers existed? You know, I was a little bit growing up, but but not too much. What's so unique about about my background, my, my father's also a, a pastor of a Southern Baptist church. You know, dad didn't travel that much, and we didn't really know what was going on out there as kids. And even, I know this sounds crazy, but even when I went to college and even seminary and things like that, I didn't realize what was out there. And, and that's been one of the exciting things about, you know, planting a church like my wife and I did 30 years ago. We planted Fellowship Church, and we were able to travel some, and I'm like, whoa, crazy, or whoa, that's unbelievable. To answer your question, no, I didn't really know th- th- there was that big of a, of a group of people that, that would, would be stylistically like you played in the uh, introduction. No, I didn't know that. And there's a lot of folks that love your style. I mean, they will come back in, you know, the clothes that you wear because they talk about skinny jeans all the time and things like that. So you never wear anything that they would preach against. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I guess growing up, I, I'd heard about Brother Hiles. I'd heard about him having a giant church. I'd never heard him preach. You know, the gospel music and stuff, I, I definitely knew about that a little bit. But I didn't realize a lot of the legalism that that was out there because amazingly I didn't grow up in a legalistic environment dad I I don't know he he did a great job he and mom of sort of sheltering us in a way from all that now I didn't I didn't drink or we didn't drink growing up or um they didn't really have problems with us dancing not that we we danced a lot growing up but I, I never felt like we lived in a legalistic environment you know uh dad is definitely an alpha type a personality and he's really his own man people say he's southern baptist but really he is a just a bible believing bible preaching yes sir preacher he's a man's man so he never really got into all of that you know crap you know what i'm saying to you i love to hear your dad dad is a unique cat of all the people i've met all of the preachers and things He, I've never met anyone like him. Never have. Well, I love to listen to your dad. I've been listening to him for years and Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you grew up in a church under your dad's ministry. Yes, sir. That's larger than the size of the town I live in. (laughs) I can understand why your dad didn't travel because I mean, he's basically pastoring a city. I think at one point, like 40,000 people. Something like that. And, you know, Dad, um, he will give you his theology on why preachers need to stay at their church, whether their church has 10 people or 10,000. He is really big on that. He's not into the, you know, traveling preachers. He he thinks, you know, I travel way too much. <laughs> he would say, you don't need to travel. And I, I don't travel that much, but I mean some. So, um, yeah, we kind of grew up in the fishbowl, but I – I learned early on that some of the most effective churches and the greatest churches are not necessarily the ones we hear about all the time. And I I firmly believe that. I don't care if you pastor a hundred people or a hundred thousand, as some preachers claim, I guess (laughs) we all deal with the same stuff and, and we need to celebrate one another and learn from one another because 
I have things that I know that I've experienced that you guys don't know. And you guys know a lot of stuff that I don't know. So if we ask the right people the right questions, especially amongst pastors, then, man, we can we can take it to a holy another level, you know? So so I just, um, I, I love pastors. Well, on that note, will you take us back to the beginning? We'd love to hear your story, how you came to faith in Jesus, you know, Excellent. how you were called to pastor. Yes, just take sir. us back to the beginning of Ed Young. Well, you know, I, I became a, a Christ follower at a young age. Um, I remember walking the aisle at an altar call. I was eight is. years old. I remember getting baptized by dad and, you know, dad pastored a number of churches and he always went to a church smaller than the one he was presently pastoring, which was uh, unique. Hmm. We moved to, to Houston from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And I thought dad was, was crazy because we moved from a booming church in the South, a dirty, dirty to this country club. Dead is four o'clock church. And I'm thinking like, What's he smoking? Well, <laughs> obviously, God was in it, and the church began to grow. I was very involved in sports. And one of the great things about my background is it's very diverse. In other words, I grew up in a Christian home, but I went to public schools. I'm talking about rough schools, tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> all that stuff with all, with all sorts of um, uh, mixtures. Racially, mixture socioeconomically. So I had that Christian background, but also I was not sheltered in that. I was around these people who were, you know, hell raising. So got involved in basketball, was pretty good at it, and was able to receive a full basketball scholarship to Florida State University. Mm-hmm. And yes, when sir. I went to Florida State, <laughs> go Knowles, baby, let's go. So when I when I when I went to Florida State, um, I was the only Christian on the team. And it was just a crazy, crazy environment. I mean, I, I really can't express to you how wild Florida State was. Our coach was a great guy, but he pretty much didn't have any rules. And yeah. he recruited all this talent. And I think the reason he had me on the team was because he knew I was a Christian and I was, I was a good influence, you know. Anyway, wow. so uh, <laughs> it was kind of a joke. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so right before my junior year, in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. That's where I felt called into the ministry. Wow. I used to invite my teammates to the church that I was attending, which would be, you know, the church like we're kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I, it just, I understood what was going on. I understood, you know, the language of Zion. I understood the music, but my friends, my, my teammates, it was like, <clears throat> they didn't know what was going on. Mm. So I didn't realize it, but God was planting the seed of fellowship church there. So uh, long story short, I uh, felt God telling me at his time to, to go into the ministry. I had an opportunity to lead uh, one of my teammates to Christ, and I didn't really have a place where I could take him that he would understand what was going on. So anyway, felt called into the ministry, gave up my full scholarship, moved back to Houston where dad was pastoring, started volunteering on the church staff, then finally part-time, then full-time. Went to seminary, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Then a couple of years later, wanted to uh, do my own thing, and I left Houston, which was which was a totally God thing, and moved to Dallas. I told my friends I would never go to Dallas. I said there are too many churches there, big steeple, few people churches. 
you yeah. know, in Dallas. There's seminaries. There's you know, TBNs there. I mean, you know, Daystar. There are more churches in Dallas. Every time I think about the number of churches in Dallas, I want to move. There are that many churches. I want to go I feel somewhere. The same way. I really wanted to go like to to somewhere in 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 uh, I don't know South Florida. If I had my choice, that's where I would have wanted to go. Yet God, you know, brought us up here. We started Fellowship Church with thirty families, and, and back in the day, I mean, I didn't know come here from Sikkim about church planting. I still don't yeah. know a lot, but we started it. And we just all, I mean, we're a Bible teaching, Bible believing church. Hmm. I believe Christians, pastors should be the most creative people in the universe. Doesn't mean that we have to, you know, swing from the chandeliers or, 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 or you know, paint the, the church purple or anything. It's just those small tweaks. It, it's storytelling. It's just remembering who your audience is. So when we started Fellowship Church, I've always thought about my Florida State teammates. Would they understand it if they showed up? Mm-hmm. And uh, about 15 years into this voyage, one of my teammates out of nowhere showed up. And I was like, man, thank you, God, because he understood what was going on. And and, and so now uh, my wife and I have been married for 38 years. We have four kids, four grandkids. And that's pretty much my life story. So Fellowship Church. Yes, sir. Has been historically creative. Mm-hmm. While you didn't grow up under the legalism that we did. That's right. Hey, listen, the churches we grew up in, the offering took an hour. (laughs) That wasn't the sermon. Unreal. And, you know, basically everything, well, everything you can imagine was preached against and preached on. It didn't matter whether or not it was from the Bible. It was a doctrinal issue by virtue of the fact that the pastor evangelist said it was. But I know you had to encounter legalism. I did. And I remember when you did, because there was a lot of write-ups. There was a lot of really vocal people because Fellowship Church looked differently. It sounded Uh differently. And I don't know if our audience will know this or not, but you are one of the men who revolutionized church in America. You did things that no one had ever done. For example, even when you fly into the Dallas airport, you put the logo on the top of your massive building so <laughs> yes. that everybody flying into the airport would see it. It just, right. you guys revolutionized church mm-hmm. and you took a beating during that season. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, being in the ministry and, and this, this next book I'm going to write, and I would love to talk to you guys about this book. I've been praying about this and thinking about this for a long time is on betrayal. Mm-hmm. I think pastors are betrayed more than any other mm. occupation known to man. Amen. Anyway, that's a whole another Truth. subject, maybe another Truth. another podcast. But but um, yeah, you know, I have tried not to read, or I mean, whether it's on social media, whether it's you know snail mail or whatever, I've tried not to get too involved in if people are saying Fellowship Church is is heretical or that Fellowship Church is the greatest church since Acts chapter 2. I just try to stay away from it. And I know this is, this, this, I'm not saying this to sound trite or flip it, but you know, I try to please an audience of one. I, I still would lie to you right now if I said it doesn't hurt when I hear you know, a negative story or, or pastors or people going negative or people leaving our church. It still hurts. And again, I'd be telling you something that's not true if I if I said otherwise. 
I'd love for you yeah. to break that down just a little bit because I okay. think a lot of our listeners are, are a lot of pastors. There's a lot of missionaries. There's a lot of folks that in this world we we mm-hmm. live for acceptance rather than from it. And I oh, think yeah. that's for a some great folks line. hearing how somebody how you look, somebody. Come on, amen. let's go. Say amen three times. Yes. But how, how you've learned to compartmentalize the, the fact that mm-hmm. the talkers are out there. But what are some things that you can give us practically that would help us like break down, like to live from the acceptance of who God's called me to be rather than for it? Because in this world, if the brethren doesn't like what you're doing, you're shunned and you're outcasted and you're, right. you're black labeled. And, and, you know, just what would you say to the pastor that pastors a church of 50 right now that is worried about doing something out of the norm, but knowing that God's calling him to do that? Well, I think we all need to lean in to where we're celebrated, not Mm. tolerated, as you've heard. So friends, man, that's why one of the reasons that we created um, this this organization that we have called C3 Global is exactly what we're doing right now. You Mm. can call other pastors. I think pastors should be best friends with pastors because pastors are the only ones who understand pastors. So don't read the negativity. Because if I if I read it, oh, you're great. Oh, you're horrible. Yes, and it'll just, exactly. It'll, it'll, it'll send you to la-la land. I mean, you'll go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> so, so, so stay away from that. Um, lean in to, to, to pastors. Make sure you have someone in your life. I always say have the right they in your life. Who are they? Mm. T, they need to be tenacious and tough. H, they need to be honest with you, but they need to have the ability, though, to be honest. It's not like you just pick somebody and all of a sudden they're like, you know, in your grill. You know, uh, accountability emerges from affinity. So they need to be tough. They need to be honest. They need to be encouraging. And why? They need to be yielded to God and to your friendship. Mm. So I've tried Mm. to surround myself with people who celebrate me but also who will tell me the truth you know yeah but i think accountability is the biggest bunch of blank in the christian world because you're only as accountable as you want to be you know i mean we have a lot of accountability at our church but it it, it's how how does it happen and 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 through what channels because i'm i'm very big on on church organization most churches or organized to fail, not to flourish. Mm. So we have to put the leadership in the hands of the people who were called to do it, and that would be the senior pastor. Obviously, you have to have financial accountability, legal accountability. I get it. But I want the power in the hands of the people who were called. I don't want the power in the hands of, of, of the layman who don't know Jack about church. I mean, that would be like, I mean, I, I have a dentist that I go to uh, and he, he has a practice near our church. That would be like uh, me telling the dentist what to do or, or, or picking 10 arbitrary patients that yeah. he has that, that tell him how to do dentistry. He would quit in a matter of months. And most churches yep. are set up that way. So I would say, again, going back, don't overreact to negative or positive stuff. Make mm. sure that you're hanging out with the right they, and they're usually pastors. And that's one of the beautiful things about social media. Number three, 
get a hobby. Get yeah, a good. hobby, a hobby, a hobby. Most of us have OD'd on the church. <laughs> and my, my hobby is fishing. If it has spins and scales, I'll go after it. Hey, that's me. So, You're speaking my love language. I mean, if it's hunting, if it's, I don't know, if it's drawing or painting, if it's whatever, make sure that you, that you do that. And here's another thing I would say. When you do your hobby, many times do it with people who don't know the Lord. Yeah. Most of us, and, and I get it, one of the most difficult things for me to do is, is, is hang out with people who are going to hell. Because there's so much stuff I have to deal with, and we all are this way in the church, that we don't spend time with people who don't know the Lord. When you spend time, when I spend time with people who don't know Christ, it'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you read the Bible. It'll change the way you preach. It'll change everything. Yeah. So so, uh, God, in his grace, gives us the opportunity to choose the style. And you can be creative, and you are creative, whether you have a country church or whether you're in Manhattan or Beverly Hills or Borneo. <laughs> so, so, so creativity is not, it's not about expense. It's not about being stupid. You know what I'm saying? To you? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's those small tweaks that take you to giant peaks. That's awesome. That sounds like you John do- Maxwell, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you just small, flew it into Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Oh, small tweaks will take you to giant peaks. Now, buy my book out there. Buy my book. You just blew an independent fundamental Baptist pastor's head when you said, hang out with sinners. <laughs> That's like oh, non-Christians. But you know what? You need to hang out with them in areas that will not cause you to compromise. That's right. Yes, sir. Fishing, playing golf. Etc. Now you don't want to. Yeah. You, you don't go to the strip clubs with them. No. <laughs> yeah, but but you go to to places that will not cause you to compromise. And you know we've tried to build our church around a table. The 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 head of the table is the dude with the food. That's the pastor. And chair one is that person who doesn't know the Lord. Mm. And 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 the other chair is the person who's a brand new believer. And in the other chair is the person who's a full court follower of Christ. We we do a good job with the brand new believer. We do a good job with the one who's the full court follower. But that chair of the person who is going to hell, we don't do a good job because it's too hard. I always say Jesus was a friend of sinners. That was the truest accusation ever made against him. Boom. But he was never a friend of sin. You yeah. can bring it. I gotta write that down. Oh, he's gonna tweet that. I'm gonna preach that this week. <laughs> you can be a friend of of. Oh, I can steal that. You can be a friend of sinners, and not be a okay. friend of sin. That was Jesus' and example. And not be a friend of sin. J.C. Grove. So I hear you talk a lot about being a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching pastor and having a Bible-believing, yes. Bible-teaching church. One of the things about legalism that we deal with, our, our name is the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast, but yes, really what we're talking about and dealing with is legalism. And the thing that we try to be completely open and honest about is the fact that legalism dies hard. And yes, we say does. that we're recovering because we see things about it in ourselves. So we've got a ton of listeners that know they're not in the legalist camp anymore, but 
they're so worried about what people think. They're so worried about being associated with the wrong people and not even seeing things in themselves that, that they really, a lot of times are paralyzed. So some of our listeners may look at you and be like, oh, this guy has fog machines in his church, or this guy has a huge backdrop screen in his church, or he wears this on mm-hmm. stage. And I'm I'm wanting you to talk to us just a little bit about really what the standard is for being Bible-believing, mm-hmm. Bible-teaching pastor in church. And, and, you know, just like you guys do have done, you know, you, you eat the fish and spit out the bones. There's some great, great things about um, all of our pasts. I mean, some mm-hmm. wonderful things. It's just like with sure. dad. I, I don't do everything that he does as a leader or as a preacher. I've, I've learned a lot of things to, to do, but I've learned, you know, I've also learned what not to do as well. I, I understand as I've gotten older, why people can go down that that rabbit hole of, of legalism. I mean, I get it because there are issues that we do have to walk, you know, you know, the, the uh, fine line. Every time I preach, this is me, I share the gospel because without the gospel, you, you could you could be at an Anthony Robbins seminar, right? So <laughs> the power is the gospel. That's it. Uh, this past week, for example, I was I was talking about about the culture. I was talking about critical theory. I was talking about Marxism and how that's an atheistic ideology and i compared that to being a biblically functioning follower of christ and i talked about the importance of of obviously it's the gospel because we have had the righteousness of jesus imputed into our lives Mm -hmm. and i said i think a lot of these young people misguided are trying to to just because of marching and being for social justice or they're against racism. It's almost like they're, they're trying to attain righteousness outside of the righteousness of Christ. Amen. So I try always to give an invitation for people to ask Christ to come into their lives. I always, I mean, I, I try always, whether I'm talking about if I'm doing a series on the book of Philippians or if I'm doing a series on marriage and family, if I'm doing a series on how to deal with anger, I'm always talking about the gospel. Always, 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 always. Because without the gospel, you know, we're 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 toast. So, you know, you know, when it comes to preaching, we're under the authority of scripture, meaning we we can take a verse, we can take a chapter, we can take a character in scripture. We can take anything. I mean, I even did a series called Hair. I traced hair in the Bible. Well, that was as biblical as Johnny Mac. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's as biblical as, as you know what I'm saying to any, any, yeah. anybody. Because I talked about um, Absalom. I talked about Martha, Samson. Because I've had hair transplants, and I, and, I, and I used that as an illustration. So I think sometimes I people see... No, you're looking good, man. So, so some of us people see that, 
and they go, oh, my gosh, that's creative. That's compromised. I'll be like, you're crazy, man. Mm. That is just straight up Bible. I would encourage every pastor to, to always, 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 always share the gospel. And there are many different creative and innovative ways to, to do that. And we're, we're very big on that. We're, we're very big, obviously, on, on once people are saved, getting them baptized. We're, we're very big on church membership, getting people plugged in. I would say our, our church um, is, is very offensive in, in reaching out to people. We don't sit back. We are like very, very aggressive, not overbearing about who is showing up, who, who is at Fellowship Church this week. I mean, how many, how many people did we have? It was their first time. How did they hear about Fellowship Church? And then we know by the information we've received, are they a Christ follower or not, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How can we connect them within the life of our church? Because we're very, very strategic, I would say, on that. We're also very, very strategic in our, in our worship services from the time they start to the time they end. Will everyone understand mm. what's going on? So because good. the Bible's complex. Yeah. So how do you take the complex and make it simple and understandable? It goes back to the table uh, illustration. We got to serve the bread of life, John six thirty five, in a creative and compelling way. Don't bore people. And if I get bored, I knew we're. I you know I I know we're messed up. So something that I love that you do, Ed. um, Fourteen years ago, I sat at your church for one service. My wife is from Paris, Texas. And oh, yeah. uh, we drove we drove to Dallas. We sat there. We actually got brought in, sat on the second row, sat next behind like a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader and all this. And I was like, man, it was just I was in awe. I was in of everything because I love I strive for excellence and I love how y'all pay the attention to the details. But one of the things I think that you do that in this world that we come from that we don't we we have guys that will preach very topical messages. They will take a Bible verse and make it say what they want their message to say. You yes. do topical messages almost every message. There is an illustration. I still remember to this day, you were talking out of John 10, 10. You were talking about being rescued, and you had a helicopter yep. and a life preserver. And, man, you did a yes. whole illustration of life. I remember that 14 years later. But you you did exegetical through the passage uh, of Scripture while still being topical. Because one of the things that we said when we started this podcast is because guys take Scripture and make it say what they want to say versus what do. the Bible says. Well, you have the content, and the content out of context leads to chaos. That's and right. that's your problem yeah. with legalism. So if you look at the content in the right context— it leads, I believe, to great life change. So you have to let the scripture under the authority speak to you and through you. Obviously, if you're uh, talking about a certain topic, you can look that up, but you cannot just cherry pick and, and, and twist and contort the Bible to make it say what you want it to say, because it doesn't <laughs> say that. You have to look at at you know the history you have to look at what was going on and 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 it's it's incredible the amount of preachers that we all hear that take a lot of liberty 
and they they do the biblical gymnastics to make it say certain things. That's just about the whole thing about drinking, you know, that that it was grape <laughs> juice back in the day. Well, there, there's no way. There was no refrigeration back then. Mm. Jesus changed H2O into Merlot. Yeah, we have. Let's go. You know, you know what I'm saying? Let's go. But we've <laughs> taken that and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, or or it, it, can, it can go on and on. And I, I don't know. I just I would just tell young pastors, make sure that you're looking at the context of the Bible whenever you preach. I mean, even if you're, even this, maybe your text is John 10, 9 and 10. Okay, obviously you're going to look at that context. But then if you use another verse to support something you're saying, make sure you're not taking that one out of context as well. Yeah. So I am very big when it comes to preaching about having a team that can actually uh evaluate your thinking and your exegesis and um, kind of where you're going. Even today, uh, in a meeting right before we started this, we were in a, uh, a little staff meeting. I said, guys, I'm in a series, and this uh, uh, series has is, is, is been uh, controversial for us, but also it's been a huge series for first-time guests. It's called mm. the United States of Amnesia, oh, We boy. the Sheeple. I've talked about the sheeple. I've talked about I've, I've talked about critical theory. I've talked about Black Lives Matter. I've talked about Marxism. I've talked about postmodernism, and I've talked about the difference between a secular atheistic worldview compared to a biblical worldview. And here's what I mean by creativity. Okay, let me let me let me give you an example. All right, if you think about where our culture is today, we have a new Marxism. And this new Marxism is made up of three ingredients. Number one, postmodernism, which says truth is relative. Number two, classical Marxism, which is all about divide and conquer. And number three, critical theory, which is overthrowing the power structures of our culture. I said those three ingredients will make you a Marxarita. Hmm. And I drew a picture of a cocktail glass on the board behind me, and I had it pouring onto our public schools, mm. pouring onto uh, when we took prayer out of the public school, uh, pouring onto abortion, pouring onto all sorts of things. So that's what I'm talking about as far as creativity. So I didn't, I didn't serve margaritas. I didn't have a giant cocktail glass on stage, but I said our culture has become intoxicated, inebriated with a pitcher of Marxaritas. That's what I mean by creativity. So that's just one little point, but but people already have been texting me and calling me like, man, I like that Marxarita. I like that. That's interesting. So now they won't forget it. Well, that's the way Jesus taught. Jesus taught in word pictures. He taught in, in ways we can remember, and 69% of Christ's words were words of application. Two-thirds of his words were word pictures. So if people have a problem with creativity in the church, you've got a problem with Jesus. That's yeah. really cool. I know a little while back, too, you've preached on the difference between acceptance and approval. Yes. And you were challenging the idea 
that just because we're acceptant of people, it doesn't mean that we're approving of people. For example, when Jesus was at the Pharisee's house and, you know, his feet were being washed with the hair and the tears of a woman who had lived, uh, well, she had lived a sinful life. As a matter of fact, it's believable that she was currently living in that sin and coming to Christ so that her life would be changed. And you've got the Pharisees who seem to be the spiritual ones by saying, if he knew what manner of woman she was. Yes. At the end of the day, the Pharisees rejected Jesus. That woman accepted Jesus. He accepted her. He knew all the while who she was. He knew what she was and what she had done. He wasn't in the house for the Pharisees. He was in the house so that he would be available to the woman. Jesus didn't accept her sin. That's not what that was about. Mm-hmm. He accepted her. He didn't approve of her sin. He redeemed her so that she would be approved of through that imputed righteousness that you were talking about I love it. earlier. So I appreciate you taking a stand even on those issues because I think a lot of times people in the church, as a matter of fact, Ed, you might find this shocking. We had a man on our podcast who said uh-huh. that he would not allow a homosexual to come into their congregation and hear the gospel. That if a homosexual came into their audience, that he would force the homosexual to leave and wouldn't even give that person the gospel. And and I love the fact that you took a stand, not pro-homosexual, but pro the person and their need to hear the gospel without approving of sin. Mm. Exactly. And, and it is, it's, we accept everyone, transgender, homosexuals, adulterers, fornicators, we accept them, but it doesn't mean we applaud their behavior, you know? So we've, we've confused acceptance with approval. That's the new tolerance in our secular world. As believers though, we accept everyone. I, I like what one of my friends told me years ago, we need to build bridges to everyone but make sure we draw lines in the sand as well. So mm-hmm. I've, I've never forgotten that. So we, we speak truth. We want to do it, though, in love. And, and sometimes, you know, as you know, people don't always dig it. And, 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 and that's, that's okay. But we're not called to be, to be popular. But what, what concerns me about um, some of the woke Christians and pastors is they have jumped on this hype train and they've not realized what the hype train is connected to, you know, mm. the disintegration of the nuclear family, yes, um, abortion, you know, transgenderism, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it's easy to be lured by weapons of mass emotion that the devil mm. drops on us, and we get wooed by those weapons, and and he's using good things to get us on a train that actually ends up preaching against the very things that we stand for. So, wow. I don't Weapons know. And of going, mass emotion. Nathan, did you yeah, hear going, that? So going back though, going, going back though to, to the uh, brilliant question earlier um, about, about legalism. I just feel as though when we do live for an audience of one, then we can, do everything to the to the glory of God, but there are mm. obviously things that we 
don't do because I'm, I'm talking about morally because of the gospel. It's fine to dance, but to dance like some of the dances that are out there, which pretty much are, are uh, dances of having sex. No, I, as a believer, no, no. Um, there are just pla certain places that we don't go, certain movies that we, we, we shouldn't watch, but it's a, it's a difficult topic to, to talk about, but it has to be between you and God, and it has to be biblically based and on and on and on. One of the things I respect yes, about you highly is that you really don't fit into like the Joel Steen camp. You don't really fit into the John MacArthur camp. You're you, and you have this liberty yes. and freedom to be you. I would, I would like for you to talk to our listeners about being free to be who God has called you to be, because we all have different gifts. We all have different passions. Yes. And that's something that I think you are exercising your liberties and glorifying God in that. Well, you're, you're very kind to say that. And you be you. I even did a rap one time. It's somewhere on YouTube. You be you. Because if you aren't you, who's going to be you? I mean, if you aren't you, there's going to be a hole in history, a gap in God's creativity. I don't know why you came to this conference, but I come to praise the Lord. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Shout Started the revival from the Bible. Acts 2 tells you what to do. Joe was smiling, mullet profiling. On TV again, can I say amen? Pentecostal, the gospel. A Calvinistic, Baptistic, legalistic. Call it what you want, it's pessimistic. It's kinda hyper, trying to decipher. John Piper, <laughs> Andy Stanley, got the family. Ward Cleaver, where's the beaver? Louis Giglio, what's the dealio with the college kids and their polo? Pastor tithing, surviving, thriving and blogging and bragging and twittering and littering. I'm just between you and your makeup. I'm getting up in your grill. Bishop Jakes, bringing the heat like LeBron. Why compete? Hillsong worship in a galactic. God, Brian Houston sing. Fantastic. Want satellites like Craig Rochelle? Book deals like Rob Bell, Rick Warren, Saddleback, Rockin' Tommy Bahama and Dr. Slack, Jessica Franklin off the dawn, telling students keep your underwear on. You be you. What? You be you. Can't hear you. You be you. What now? You be you. I'm not David, Dino, Sam, or Craig. Edwin, or Leon, or Alistair Beck. Come a little closer and you'll see. I'm not a country boy like YJC. You be you. That's what God says. You be you. 
Somebody call somebody. Somebody, somebody. I said, somebody call somebody. Somebody, somebody. I'm in an aquarium, subterrarium, shirt looking swell, got it on sale, fighting hell, can't you tell? Whole nother level, whole new devil. I'm a pastor, a vision caster, a question master. Social media is brilliant in that we can learn from people, but it's also uh, pretty brutal because we end up looking and acting like everyone else. You have to realize that God's called you, I'm talking to pastors, I'm talking to myself, to a mission field, and I'm going to connect with people, and and these people are unique to me. JC, you will, Brian, Nathan, you connect with people that I would never, ever connect with. So there's a great freedom in in speaking like God has led you to, to speak, leading like God has led you to lead. It's not that we don't learn from great speakers or, or uh, 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 great leaders, but we have to put all of that through our creative sane, through our creative conscience, so to speak. And, and then it just moves out and then it flows. But it's, you know, it's taken me decades to really get totally comfortable in my skin. But I would say one of the fun things about getting older I'm 59 now. I would say from 45 until about 59 that I've been more and more um, uh, comfortable in in uh, who I am. So I would just encourage everyone listening: be who you are. Be be the person that God desired desires you to be. Don't don't try to copy someone else. Learn from them, but put it through your personality, your gift mix. Um, whether you're a children's pastor, a student pastor, if you're the senior pastor of a church that has 95 uh, multi-sites, be who God um, wired you to be. And hang out with people who applaud your uniqueness, you know. One of the things I wanted to to, to say, we have a uh, a camp called PK Vacay that I wanted to to promote. It's a pastor's kids camp. And it started out with just a handful, and now it's just massive. We have pastors' kids who come to our camp from all over the world now. It's June wow. 29th wow. until July 2nd, 2021. June 29th until July 2nd. It's at our retreat center called Alasso Ranch in the Piney Woods of East hmm. Texas. And we talk, my wife and I do, and we bring in other pastors about the exact thing you asked me about, about being who you are. Because so many pastor's kids will end up being called into the ministry. Yeah, pastor's kids deal with stuff that very few people ever yeah. deal with. Yes, sir. And, and one of the things is, man, learn how to be yourself. Learn how to be who you are. So I want to invite everybody to that. You can go on to, you can go to our website and find PK Vacay. Yes. What is that I'm website? PKVacay.com. Dave, come here. Did, did, you, did you hear? Dave's one of our uh, great pastors. Dave, this is, they've been asking me an incredible question. Dave's from an Assembly of God background. Hallelujah. question about legalism was basically that some of our listeners will look at a guy who has smoke machines, uh, big screens. 
props on stage and think they can't be a Bible teaching, Bible preaching pastor? And what should the standard be for being a Bible teaching, Bible preaching pastor? Yeah, you know, I think I think it goes back to, you know, what does God's word say? You know, I think you look at Jesus and Jesus told stories and parables, you know, and what were parables? They were, you know, creative illustrations that people could connect with. And, you know, he was a great storyteller and people connected with those stories. And so I think all we're doing as we leverage technology, whether it's a smoke machine or an LED screen or it's a film or it's a Ed using a roller coaster or a basketball court, man, we're just trying to use creative illustrations in creative ways to connect with people. And I think, um, you know, that that plays out in many different ways in our church. And I think, man, we're just trying to do what Jesus did. And that's, that's captured people's attention. And Dave, you know what I'm saying, too? You can have the most traditional-looking worship center anywhere, and you're still walking on the ragged edge of creativity. Yeah. Just because you have a screen, just because you have a smoke machine, or you know you wear skinny jeans, some of those churches are more predictable than the traditional churches. Mm-hmm. Truth. So, I it, it, again, creativity is not about that. And, and I think sometimes people get lost in, oh, man, the lies or whatever. Forget that. Yeah. You can be creative where you are mm-hmm. if you have 15 people or 150,000 people. Pat- and it doesn't matter what the venue looks like. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we, we want it to, be, to look as good as possible, but maybe that's who God has called you to reach, people mm-hmm. that connect more with that style, mm-hmm. maybe more traditional. Maybe it is more Southern gospel. Maybe it is country Western. Awesome. Or maybe you're in Las Vegas and it's the lights and whatever. Or maybe it's more kind of in the Midwest, dial down. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand where you are and create within that context. But here's also, Dave, about legalism, though. One of the things Ed, Ed and I were talking about the other day, just to add on to what he was saying, and maybe something you guys can continue to talk about, but one of the <laughs> negatives, you know, he was bringing up the other day, is like, man, as you scroll through social media, like one of the negatives yes. is – there's such a sameness among churches as everybody's just copying what everybody else is doing. And, you know, along the creative side of being uniquely who God created you to be, you know, it's like, man, sometimes we need to ignore what the other church is doing and not try to copy everything off Instagram because we need to, we need to be us. I would say that that that's something on social media that drives me crazy. Scroll through. It's like every church now looks alike and and does the same stuff. And man, you got to just, you know, you need to be, you need to be who you are because when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, Nate, why weren't you more like JC? JC, why weren't you more like Brian? No. He's going to say, Brian, why weren't you more like Brian? JC, yeah. you should, you know, Nathan, whatever. So, so, so uh, that's a freedom, you know, in, in your calling as a pastor. That's good. I agree. Well, Pastor Ed, we would have never had this opportunity to talk to you had it not been for a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dr. John Cross. Dr. John Cross. There's, there, there's only one. He's an amazing man. As a matter of fact, uh, he and I talked the other night on the phone for about an hour or so as he uh, was talking through this new assignment that God has him I, on. I know. I love him. I believe God's going to use him in powerful ways there mm-hmm. at First Baptist Church in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, so I just want to thank him for being faithful to connect 
uh, us with you. And uh, it's I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to have talked to you. And by the way, I do have a question. Yes, sir. I've been invited now three or four times down to the C3 conference. And then I appreciate the roundtables that you've been doing around the country. Um, you've been really gracious toward pastors. Here's my question. Yes. If you and I hook up, can we go bass fishing together? Is that a possibility? No doubt. Creative Church Conference is February the 17th through the 18th, 2021. And this one is going to be a fun one because my father is speaking. Wonderful. Uh, That's going to be classic. And and uh, we have uh, also, have you ever heard of Jensen Franklin? Yes, yeah, sir. Buddy. Uh, Jensen can shuck the corn now. And we have we have many, many others, but but uh it's it's where we take the gloves off and talk about the real and the raw stuff of church. And we've been doing this for a long, long time. So man, I would love for you guys c3conference.com, c3conference.com, and we have special rates. We have a lot of pastors that bring a lot of laity staff members, but we talk about the stuff that most people talk about in hushed tones at coffee breaks, we just go ahead and talk about it. You know what I'm saying? And we have breakouts and it's just the real and the raw. It's celebrating the, the church. So would love to have anyone show up for that. Lots of recovering fundamentalists. That would be cool. Wouldn't it? Amen. Ed, thank you so much. I love this. I love, I'd love to get to know you guys better. Well, we would love that. We would love that also. And, uh, your dad was a massive help to me when I was coming out of fundamentalism because he had his television program and he was on, he was on television every Sunday night. Yes. And I never missed a Sunday night of hearing him preach. And it was amazing to me to hear a man who was just ultra classy. Yes. Who was relatable, who would tell just the best life stories. Yes. And then call people to Jesus in a gracious way. Yeah. You've got Thank to realize you. for a guy coming out of fundamentalism, your dad was was transformational for well, me. He was epic. He, I'll tell him that. We're going to spend Thanksgiving together. I will tell him that. He will love to hear that. Awesome. Well, Ed, we do appreciate you, brother. Thanks Thank for you, being man. on with us today. And let's, let's right. do it again. And, and listen, we'd love to have you guys – come to C3 conference. Maybe we could do one of these at the conference. Dude, oh, that, that would be, be amazing. I would love that. Why don't we do that? I would love it. <laughs> Let's well, go. Yes. Let's do it. Ed, it has been incredible to have you on the episode with us today. And uh, be sure to go to the websites that he talked about, pkvacay.com. Go to c3conference.com. And uh, who knows, maybe we could do the second RFP family meetup in Texas in February because we got one we're going to tell you about coming in January on next week's episode. And, uh, man, RFP is going to a whole nother level in 2021, and uh, we want you to be there. Thanks to our sponsors, Free Life Soap, J Radio, and Podlife.house. Guys, this has been absolutely incredible. I am fired up about the month of November. There is some huge stuff coming in November, and uh, it's going to be great. I love you, Brian. I love you, Nathan. Love you too, bud. Love you, fellas. It's been awesome. Y'all have a great week. Be sweet. 
Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.